Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Scott Hutchison. Hey, Scott, how are you? Good, Bant. How are you? I'm very, very well. I'm excited to talk to you today, Scott, about transformation and uh, all of the things associated with that. And we'll get to that in a second. Scott is the professor at Purdue University. He is also the founder of Hutchison Associates, which is a business that helps leaders design grow, and strategically transform organizations, communities, and ecosystems to make them more adaptive, innovative, and competitive. And we'll get more into what's uh, happening and what the latest is with Hutchison Associates in a second. But before we do that, Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career? Yeah, sure. So uh, it kind of all goes back to the early 90s. In fact, right about 1990, where I got out of school and kind of took my first uh, big boy job. It happened to me with American Airlines. Um, and I wasn't there long before I got put on a, a pretty interesting project. It was a, an IT development project uh, where American and, and Hilton, Marriott and Budget we're coming together to build a, a new system, a reservation system for hotels and rental car companies, kind of piggybacking on the success that American had in developing Sabre, which was the mm -hmm. reservation system and still le of, legendary. Exactly. Yes. Right. So that same development team, I had done some uh, front desk work in hotels. So when I kind of landed, they were looking for some people with some uh, daily experience in either of those industries. So uh, I, I drew a straw that, that put me on that team. And that happened to be a, a very pivotal project because it was at the time one of the largest software development projects that had ever been attempted. $115 million budget, 400 uh, on staff and a four-year development timeline. Wow. And to kind of rush you to the uh, end of the story, it failed. Mm. It, the system didn't work. It never worked. The partnership was disbanded. It might still be in the courts. Who, know? Who knows? But um, it, it was uh, both... Uh, disillusioning for me as your first kind of uh, job, but also got me reflecting on that, uh, that scenario and why, you know, why big projects like that fail. Uh, and I got really interested in less in the technology side of things. And as it turns out, it wasn't a technical issue. It was an organizational culture issue. It was a leadership issue. It was a, a clash of cultures and not really having a good disciplined way to collaborate. So that's what uh, really struck my young mind. And I said, I want to learn more about that. So um, I decided to, to structure that learning with continued education. Mm -hmm. I decided to go back to school and ended up with a, a master's and a, and a PhD where I looked at how these kind of complex collaborations succeed or fail. Uh, kind of regardless of the industry space that they're in or the, yeah. the way technology may change, kind of that, that organizational behavior and human behavior side of, of that kind of work. So yeah. that led me into both an academic career and a career uh, outside of the university, helping other leaders deal with 
complex challenges like that. Yeah, I think that uh, that that skill set and developing that skill set is tremendously valuable. I also think it's probably so critical to think through that element before actioning those types of projects. Um, you know, I, I've been part of some of those types of projects in my career and uh, some are successful, some have, are not successful and they're not successful for reasons that I would not have predicted, right? Um, you know, I worked on one of those types of projects that you just outlined where it was a multinational, multi-company initiative and each company, it was such a high priority, each company allocated relatively senior up and coming superstars to the project. And uh, at first that sounded excellent, but as the project kind of continued to go on, each and one of these superstars realized that because they were out of the structure of the hierarchy at their parent companies, that they were getting passed over for opportunities, that they weren't seen as critical anymore. And it, and it killed the project because everyone, they, they all bailed. They all wanted to go back. So it, I would not have thought about that as being a problem initially. So I think that this work is really interesting. And I can see that Hutchison Associates really works on these issues for companies. Tell me a little bit more about the type of work that you guys are doing. Yeah, so um, I founded Hutchison Associates a couple of years ago to kind of better organize the kind of the side consulting I'd been doing for years, uh, but wanted to formalize that more and have a structure so I could bring other partners in to, to serve clients. Um, and I still find myself working in highly technical industries, uh, the tech sector, for instance, but on the technology side of, you know, of banking and of manufacturing and and that sort of thing. Um, and, and some of the same sorts of, of, of issues, those issues related to collaborating across uh, boundaries, whether those are uh, intra-organizational boundaries, you know, how does a big company innovate across their, you know, their silos uh, inside, but increasingly, how do we how do we collaborate and innovate in an in a open innovation sort of system with, mm -hmm. with others? Kind of what we were trying to do with those four you know, global companies back in the day. And what I found through my kind of research and teaching on the university side is there are new emerging frameworks. Uh, you know, it seems like we've got agile everything, um, but an agile approach to kind of strategic transformation. So. Oh, wow with some colleagues, uh, we developed a discipline that we call strategic doing, a much more experimental collaborative approach to uh, strategy, more so than the traditional command and control strategic planning sorts of, of models. So I work a lot with companies um, using that discipline, teaching kind of a new set of skills of uh, agile leadership and collaborative leadership. And how do you relatively quickly identify shared value opportunities, and then began a, a series of experiments to figure out if your hypotheses are correct. We think if we do this, we'll create enough value for all of us to, to be happy and be profitable, but we don't really know. So how do you in a measured way and a, a way to, to take a little bit of risk, but also mitigate that risk, uh, move in a, an agile iterative way toward uh, transformation? Yeah, I love that. Is that that is that part of the like, kind of the agile 2.0 movement in, in general? I mean, it sort of is. It it, it really kind of the, the discipline that we've been developing kind of predates the agile uh, 
kind of phenomenon, mm -hmm. but we began kind of adopting that, uh, uh, that language as well because people understand it. But yes, it goes far beyond just, you know, agile software design, right. which even if had that been placed in the 1990s, I think we would have, we would have uh, had a better outcome there. But it's really, how, how do we think um, about everything we do in our business uh, in a much more agile, iterative sort of way? And yeah. I see everything, but not really everything. I mean, it almost seems like our organizations today need kind of two operating systems because mm -hmm. there's some business functions that work really well in, in, in hierarchical structures where we do need a lot of checks and balances and accountability. But then we also have to innovate and change. And that's a much more horizontal sort of discipline. So our, yeah. our organizations and our leaders really have to be ambidextrous up here and be able to do a better job of, of saying, well, 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 what is the business outcome and kind of what's the operating system or the frameworks that are appropriate for yeah. this versus this? I, I really like the way you're, you're structuring that. You know, in my own business and businesses, I often will say something along the lines of, you know, everything begins with the platform and ends with the platform because yeah. a lot, our company, like many companies, is very focused around the technology. And you realize that the technology only works if the organization works around the same principles. And I feel like today that's where all businesses are headed. Everything is related to those platforms. And I listened to the model that you've developed and it really seems to support really actioning and bringing that to life. Yeah, I, I, I think so. At least I hope so. And, and I think my, uh, my, my clients recognize that as well. Um, I've worked on a lot of projects where you, you, you build a technology platform, but if you don't change your behavior, then the, the platform's not going to work for you. So it, it really is, it's, it's taking the same principles that we use to build a, an ecosystem or a technology platform. How do we have a kind of a behavioral platform that, that matches that? Because you have to have, yeah. have to have both. Now, I mean, it's such an interesting uh, business landscape we're in right now. I look at companies that go from nothing to billion dollar businesses overnight, these unicorns. I look at billion dollar businesses go down to hundred million dollar businesses overnight as well. And I'm, I'm curious as how, how this business landscape, these different types of businesses uh, can apply these types of principles. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been a lot of fun these last few years to, to work both with startups, yeah. but also to work with legacy companies, you know, Purdue has a, a rich history of working with, you know, large manufacturers that have been around a long time. Um, and if they've been around a long time, they, you know, they have to have been innovative and in reinventing themselves. So, but I, I see the same, the same dynamics and the same kind of patterns in, in a startup as, as you do in a, a large organization that successfully transforms. And, and to me, I kind of boil it down you know, we've all, we're all familiar with the technology adoption curve, you know, the S curve where things start and they scale and they grow. Well, the life of an organization is the same, you know, mm -hmm. and, and what I help organizations do and leaders do is to figure out, all right, well, well what are the first signs that this growth curve, this S-shaped growth curve that we've been on is, is, is just at the early signs of playing itself out, getting ready to plateau. And then how do we jump to the next S curve? How do we figure out 
you know, whether it's uh, whether it's helping a company go from on-prem computing to the cloud or whether it's uh, reinventing what they do for a new market, my mental model is how do we jump from the S-curve that we're on to a new potential S-curve, some sort of adjacent reality. So that to me is the, is the common factor. A, a startup's doing a, that for the first time, a hundred year old company is doing it, you know, perhaps for the fourth or fifth time. Mm -hmm. uh, but then those cycles are faster than they used to be. Right. With technology advancing quickly, com consumer behaviors advancing quickly. We, we can no longer think about a business cycle as, as lasting even a decade, you know, it's it. We better be thinking about reinvention every four or five years in some pretty substantial ways, or we're not going to be around that decade. Yeah, uh, I know you're right. <laughs> I know you're right. I've been looking at some of these recent stories. I mean, probably what's happening at Facebook right now is yeah. is going to be the the case study of the next decade. Right. I know. It's nobody really talks about it in those those terms because there's not a lot of love right now for Facebook in the in the broader media landscape. But the reality is that as far as I can see, Zuckerberg is trying to make one of the largest pivots and shifts I've ever seen, you know, for a a half a trillion dollar company, right? right? And he's he has to to pull this off. He didn't kind of go slow and steady you know he didn't set up like a separate division just to test this out he went whole hog so I mean, that's and i'm i'm flabbergasted i my, my first reaction was like oh my god this is a terrible mistake and then another side of it was how bold you know uh no one's really talking about that because i think he's obviously as i said not the most popular person <laughs> these days but it's quite an amazing story. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that one turns yeah, out. It, it's either going to be the death knell or the genius of Mark Zuckerberg yet again. I'm betting on the genius. Wow, that's nice. I like to hear that. I like <laughs> to hear that. Well, um, let me shift gears slightly here. And I, I wanted to ask you, you know, we've been living through this pandemic over the last couple of years. And as we start to emerge from this, it, it just be curious, any insights that you've gathered, any learnings that we can start to be applying to creating a better future? Yeah, I, th I think so. And one, one encouraging sign that, that actually I just, I saw a, a Wall Street Journal article today that I think is illustrative of this. So CIOs, so chief information officers, uh, their, their salaries have skyrocketed the last two years. Good, good for them. I have some friends that are CIOs and I have a lot of clients that are CIOs. But I think what that means is their contributions are being valued in a way that they, they really never have. Mm -hmm. And in the, in the past, when I would uh, I, I work with CIOs and sometimes their frustration was that they didn't always have an equal seat at the table of, of, of strategy, if you will. They were seen as the people that, you know, they just keep our machines running and the network healthy and they build the internal apps when we need them. Uh, no, in a digital world, in a, in a world that has truly been digitally transformed, you know, it is now present tense, not future tense. Uh, it's hard to think of a more valuable player than your, your information technology people. So that I think is the 
that I think is 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 the 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 silver lining here. You know what? If we're going to have another Roaring Twenties, um, it will be around uh, the elevation of digital technologies within organizations. It's not just of traditionally non-digital organizations, if you will, as as more than just kind of a secondary player as as a lead character, and that. Um, digital and information technologies are, are going to, to to lead innovation rather than uh, support innovation. Yeah, that's a really a, a really strong point, and I, I mean I've seen that you know in a lot of a lot of organizations. I think the question I'm I'm trying to get my head around is how much will stay and how much will go away as people. I think crave being together again and, you know, things like that. We'll, we'll see, we'll see how that shapes and just be curious to see what, what you think maybe focused more on the immediate future, which is now we're living in the brave new world of 2022. How do you see this year evolving and, you know, what are some of the transformational issues that should be top of mind? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, I think we're moving from a set of what we thought of as either ors to a, a, a set of both ands. I mean, I don't, you know, say talk about you know conferences and event planning. I don't think it's ever going to be, you know, it, it was all face to face. We loved going to conferences, but then we had to do it virtually. The new world will be both. You will have a choice because there are some people that have thrived in the last two years, and there are some people that it's just driven them crazy. Yeah. So whether you're a consumer, whether you're a, an employee, um, whether you are you know collaborating with someone across town or across the globe, I think it's going to be a, a, an either or. Yeah, we might be doing stuff in the metaverse, but it'll never completely replace the face to face. You know, I, 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 I used to travel a lot internationally, and I think I will again, but I might not travel to the, to the extent that I, that I used to. You know, yeah. I, I have friends that are road warriors with, uh, you know, the big consulting firms. That, that model has changed, will completely replace, but I think it's going to be a lot, of more, a, a lot more uh, both ands rather than either ors in terms of whether it's, whether it's face-to-face, whether it's digital. Um, and, and all the other things that cascade from those two different ways of interacting with. I love that. Both uh, ands, both ands. I, yeah, I, I yeah. agree. I think it'll present its own set of challenges and benefits uh, as well. Scott, this has been great to talk to you. We've been having a great conversation with Scott Hutchison. He is a professor at Purdue University and the founder of Hutchison Associates. Scott, if someone wanted to reach you, where can they find you? Well, uh, they could probably find me at Purdue by searching on my name. If uh, somewhere I imagine the spelling will, will be there, but it's H-U-T-C-H-E-S-O-N. First name Scott, traditional spelling. Uh, but you can also get me at uh, scotthutchison.com and that'll get you to, to Hutchison Associates. But if you just Google my name, I'm usually the first one that pops up. There's another guy in Canada with the same name. So we're usually one and two, but uh, I'm pretty easy to find if you know how to spell the name. Excellent. Well, Scott, thank you for being on the show today and we appreciate it and we look forward to having you back. Great. Thank you. Cheers.